elevate, um, it's about seeking God's heart. It's about ending up somewhere on purpose. It's about setting God-honoring goals and putting together a life plan in 2011. That's what we've been talking about. Now, Proverbs says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And we've talked about that vision in the Hebrew is hazon. Where there's no hazon, the, the people perish. And that hazon, it means to dream, to have a revelation, to have a vision. Where, where there's no dreams, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, people perish. Last week we talked about finances. Uh, if you weren't here with us, I encourage you to go to our website. Maybe you weren't here the first week we kicked off and talked about God-honoring goals and what those are. But today I want to focus on vocation. See, everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And what I want to do is define what I mean by vocation, okay? Uh, Our work life uh, that we're talking about. Because this isn't just limited to a job where you draw a paycheck. In fact, for some of you, you work... 40, 50 hours, 60 hours a week, and your focus is your family. You're taking care of the kids, uh, maybe homeschooling perhaps. Some of you are retired, and you volunteer. You, you work jobs uh, a few hours a week maybe, uh, help juggle the grandkids. Some of you may be caring for, for parents, a uh, loved one. So when I talk about work life today... I want you to think about what you do during your waking hours that's productive, okay? Now, just just curious, how many of you, when you were growing up, maybe you were a kid, maybe a teenager, young adult, but you wanted to do something and, and you dreamed about what that was you were going to do? And I'm not talking about the stuff that you, as a younger kid, like... I can remember watching, my mom loved to watch boxing, and uh, she was a big Ali fan, and so mom and I would watch the Ali fights on, on TV, and when the fight was over, I would run around the house because I want to be a fighter when I grow up, you know, and so for several days, sometimes weeks, I would go around the house floating like a butterfly Stinging like a bee, you know. I mean, I was jazzed up, and I was kind of into it. I'm going to be a fighter, Mom. I'm going to be a fighter. And then the family, we'd uh, go to the circus or the carnival. And I'd go, I'm going to join the circus, (laughs) you know. I'm going to be a lion tamer. I am going to get shot out of cannons. And so we would go home, and my brother and I, we would uh, begin to tame Mr. French. He was our poodle. Or we'd go out back, and I, I can remember we had a deck out back, and I would run and jump off the deck and practice rolling because i got to get ready for the cannon days, you know. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the spur-of-the-moment stuff, okay? What I'm talking about is something that you really here wanted to do with your life. 
Now, here's the question I want to ask you. How many of you would say, I am doing, in fact, let's change it, I am not doing what I thought I would be doing when I was younger? How many of you would say, I'm not doing what I thought I would be doing when I was younger? All right, quite a few hands. When it, when it comes to work life, where there's no vision, this is just observation, you simply exist. Where there's no vision, you work day to day, and Mondays or whatever day you start work is stormy. Where there's no vision, I would argue you go to work with very little passion, low energy, little or no drive. In fact, I would argue that work simply becomes a paycheck and you can't wait for whatever your weekend is. Where there's no vision vocationally, people perish. When when it comes to your work life, and we're going to find this in every area of our life. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And what I want to do is help us end up somewhere on purpose so that we do not have to echo the, the words that hit Solomon one day. The, this, he was kind of at a point in his life, and he's looking back on his life, and he's assessing his life, and he really didn't like what he saw. And he pins these words. He says, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless and chasing after the wind. Here's what I want to say. If you, if you today are working a job that is grievous to you, if you feel like you do not get to express the the giftedness in you. If you're not able to tap into the passion that is in you, if you do that long enough, if you run that road for a long enough period of time, you start saying things like this to yourself. Life's pretty mundane. Life's boring. I'm not challenged. I hate Mondays. And you stay on that road long enough, and your vocabulary transitions. In fact, your whole mindset transitions. And you begin to say, I hate life. In in contrast, Paul writes in Ephesians, He says, Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are God's handiwork. For we are God's handiwork. We are created by God, Paul says. God knew exactly what he was doing when he created us and designed us. He designed us with certain abilities, certain passions, certain talents, certain gifts. You know, the, the creator of this world, God placed you right here. For this moment in history. 
to make a difference. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And it's interesting, if you read further, Paul is very clear that we are not made right with God by good works. Okay? Can't earn your way to heaven. Can't earn that relationship. But when we are right with God, and this is key, when we are right with God through, through grace by accepting and making Jesus Christ not only Savior of our life, but Lord of our life, here's what happens. Good works become natural. Supernatural, maybe, responses to what God's already done in our life. So Paul says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And here's the mind-blowing thing to me. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Try and get your mind around that. Can, can you imagine how big God is? How great God is that God created you. He created you with talents. He created you with gifts. He created you with skills. He created you with abilities. And even before you were born, God put into your future a divine plan. In other words, God was going to give you opportunities to meet certain people, to do certain things. That he knew that you would get to a point where you could express your, your giftedness and your passions for 30, 40, 50 hours a week so that when you connected that way, you wouldn't have to say, I hate Mondays. I hate my job. I hate my life. No, instead, you'd get an opportunity to express your God-given talents, your God-given passion, that you could make a difference in this life, that you could leave a God-ordained mark on the people's lives around you. When it comes to work, vocation, everybody ends up somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. And today what I want to do is, is seek God's vision for us. Allow God to show us where he wants us to be. To, to get that vision so that we end up somewhere on purpose. And I, I want to ask you to, to wrestle with this question this week and really, really spend some time reflecting and thinking about it. But to get us started to say, as you think about your life, okay, this season in your life right now, and understand seasons change. Some of you may be going through that change of season. But as you think about the, this moment, here's the question. Are you doing the work that God wants you to do? Yes or no? Now, I'll be honest with you. I considered saying, okay, maybe maybe I go a little bit soft and give, give an option where you could say, well, I don't know, maybe, perhaps. That's not on the table. During this season in your life right now, are you doing the work that God created you to do? Yes or no? There's no right or wrong answer here. You need, to, you need to decide, is it yes or is it no? 
If it's yes, if that's your response, if you're doing what God created you to do, I've got two things I want to say to you, and that is celebrate and elevate. You know, the psalmist says, praise the Lord. For the Lord is good, sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. You know, celebrate what God has given you. If you are working 30, 40, 50 hours a week and the majority of your waking hours, you are doing something that you are gifted at. You're doing something that revs the passions in you, that that brings fulfillment in in your life. You should celebrate that. You should worship. You should thank God because, friends, that is truly a gift from God. Because experience has taught me that the vast majority of people are just frustrated vocationally. They wish they were doing something else. They wish that they could enjoy their work the way that you enjoy your work. They, they notice that. I've got a really close friend. Um, we've been friends since junior high. He used to go to Christian camp together. And um, Mark, he's always had this passion for, for landscaping. Now, I want to back you up about 20 years ago. 20 years ago, Mark's vocational world was getting rocked. God, God was working on him. And Mark came in to see me, and um, he was talking to me about his struggles, about the problems at work, and that it was just draining him and sucking the life out of him. And I remember at one point I asked him, I said, Mark, what is your vision vocationally? And Mark kind of paused for a moment and sat back. And, and then I just watched him light up. And he very clearly, he didn't know that's what he was doing, but he articulated a God-given vision. And I said to him, and I, I imagine a, a, a company doing... Uh, landscaping where where God's first and people are first. You know, where I could unleash my, my God-given talents and, and minister to co-workers and, and clients and artistically celebrate, you know, the beauty of God's creation. And I'd like to do something that's environmentally conscious, that leaves a mark on, on this world, and that everything that, it, that I would do would bring glory to God. And he went on for a long time. When he finally came up for air, and it was a while, I said to him, I said, Mark, sounds like God's calling you to start that company. And I remember praying, praying with Mark and praying for a company that didn't even exist yet. And it was shortly after that he started Sexton's Landscape Concepts. And, and it took off. He has done some amazing projects. I've followed his career. He's won numerous national awards. He did the Botanical Gardens in Chicago. He's done so many projects there. It's crazy. He was on uh, Discovery Channel not long ago. They featured him for his green roof design for the Science Center in Chicago. Here's what I've noticed, and this is what I celebrate about, 
is it whether Mark is digging a hole for one tree in someone's backyard or he's doing a multi-million dollar project. He has honored God every step of the way. He has used every opportunity to, to touch people's lives, to put God first and people first. You know, when we were looking at landscaping out here, I, I just called him to pick his brain because I'm like, well, who knows landscaping? I'll call Mark. And so I called him and, uh, you know, just trying to, trying to pick his brain, figure out what, what's going on and what we could do. And he just said to me, he said, you know what, Damon? It's for the church. It's for God. Let me know what you're thinking about. I'll draw up plans. You get some people together. I'll come down. Let's just make this happen. And he just gave his time and talent. And that, to me, it is the maintaining of a God-given vision. And he is doing exactly what God created him to do. And he has leveraged that every step of the way. And so I want to say to you, if you are doing what God created you to do, you better celebrate that. You better celebrate it, but then you better elevate it. You know, not become complacent. Because it's real easy if you're doing what you love to do, to go, hmm, this is, this is good. I get to do what I love to do. I'm, I'm living the dream. And then the temptation is that at some point, you start to coast. If you're doing something that you know God has called you to do, celebrate, not because you've arrived. See, here's the difference. Because you're starting. You're starting. Continually, continue to ask God as you're working, you know, God, what else do you want to do in me? What else do you want to do through me? Where, where do you want me to, to focus? Where do you want me to take it up a notch? You know, where do you want me to elevate it in my life? And make it a regular part of your thinking process. You know, think about it. Reflect on it. I can tell you from personal experience when we first started Faith Fellowship. You know, the, remember the, how many of you were around the years we were moving all over the city? Had to be really smart to figure out where we were worshiping. And, you know, five different locations. And for, we spent all those years loading and unloading, setting up every week. And finally, we got the land bought. And then we built the building. And I remember our first Sunday out here, and we were finally meeting. And I, I started hearing, and I hear it often. People go, we finally arrived. I have a colleague in town. They go, hey, I want to see the facility. And I'd bring them out and they'd take a tour and they go, wow, this is it. You made it. And friends, I got to tell you, each time I hear that, in my mind, I think, we haven't arrived. This isn't it. We have just begun. It is easy to, to look around and to slip into the, this coast mode. Understand, we, we can celebrate. We should celebrate. God has blessed. But God's vision's bigger. It's beyond. We have to elevate. We have to elevate. If you are doing this moment, if you're doing what God created you to do, then ask God, what do you want me to do to elevate in, in my life? All right. Now, for some of you, you may be going, well, 
I'm in a season in my life, and I'm pretty sure I'm not in the hazon. I'm pretty sure I'm not ultimately doing what I was created to do. And here's what I want to say to you. Do not panic. Do not beat yourself up. Do not give up and do not throw in the towel. Maybe you know where you need to be. But don't quit on it. Instead, allow God's word to encourage you, give you strength, give you, give you hope in your life. You know, Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Start moving in the right direction. Get, get a vision from God, whatever that is. Start, and I believe, this, this opinion, but I believe it's solid. It all starts by trusting God. Trusting the Lord with all your heart. And I know, as I say that, some of you are going... Well, I'm not really using my gifts in my vocation. Trust God. I'm not not expressing my passions. Trust God. These people I'm working with are driving me crazy. Trust God. I would prefer to be physically tortured than to have to work in that environment and with them. Trust God. No one appreciates me. I am overlooked. Trust God. I am underutilized. Trust God. You may, you may be in a season in your life of preparation. God is getting you ready for the next step. You know, I think that about the frustration that that David must have felt. Stories told in the Old Testament about David. He was a young boy. He was a shepherd. And as a young boy, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. He was told that. And and I think about the fact that David understood his hazon. He he understood the calling from God that he was going to be a king. And yet he had this extended season in his life. He's a shepherd taking care of sheep. It was a bad job. Yeah, all right. My grandkids thought it was funny. (laughs) Friends, David trusted God. David was absolutely the best shepherd he could possibly be. David honored God with, with the work that he was doing. And I am absolutely sure as he sat out in those pastures in the middle of the night thinking, wait a minute. I am supposed to be king. And then it got worse. David becomes a fugitive. He's running for his life. The the present king is, is trying to kill him. And I am absolutely sure that on many occasions, as he was hiding out in damp caves, when he went to bed hungry because he couldn't find food, because they were after him. Those days when he went days and days without sleep because he's being pursued, I imagine he's going, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be king. Things do not seem to be moving in the right direction here. Don't panic. 
God may be doing something special in you right now so he can do something special through you in the future. When I was first called to ministry, my heart just started beating hard for God. And I started studying and preparing myself at a young age, vision very clear in my mind. Started preaching when I was 16. Almost every weekend I'd fill in somewhere. Graduated early from high school and college, got my BA in ministry, and things were cruising along. I mean, they were going good. And God began to kind of clarify that vision, and I felt God calling me to start a church, that that's what I was being called to. Church that would function differently, that would think differently, that that could reach people for Jesus Christ, people that most churches weren't reaching. And so I started looking for the opportunities for that, and God just kept closing the doors or allowing the doors to close. Either way, they just weren't there for me. But I kept trusting God. I'm like, you know, God, this isn't working. I thought I was supposed to do new church work. Okay, what do you want me to do now? And so I, I finally I just put my resume out everywhere. And there was a little church that hired me as their pastor. Things started growing, going pretty good, and then it, it was a horrible fit. Really uh, ungodly situation. I'm not going to go into detail, but six months in, I checked out. Started working at the post office as a mail handler. I did that for almost five years. Unloading trucks, throwing bundles of mail. I'll be honest with you, never hated a job so bad in all my life. Never. Majority of the people that I worked with were off the chain. God wasn't even on the radar. And when word got around that I used to be a pastor, it got harder. And I can remember on more than one occasion in my mind thinking, God, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I thought, I thought you call, were calling me to new church work. I am going the wrong direction here. Now I realize now, I look back on that, God was preparing me. As I worked this job that I hated, every night I would head to work, I worked midnights, every night I think I hate this job. I got to know guys, I learned how to connect with guys that were kind of anti-God. And friends, God used that season to strengthen me, to prepare me, allowed me to minister. And when the time came, God called me back into ministry. I spent 17 years working in established churches. Most of those years were great years. I I sharpened my, my skills, my speaking skills, my leadership skills. But in the back of my mind for 17 years while I'm pastor, I'm like, this is great, God. But I thought you called me to new church work. 
And then after a really tough season in my life, pretty beat up, pretty tired, God says, now start faith fellowship. Here's my point. 26 years God was preparing. 26 years God used me and was working in me. 26 years was part of God's plan. 26 years was part of God's design for everything. And because my relationship with God was good, and it's always been good, I just kept trusting Him. Do not misunderstand me. There were times I questioned. There were times I struggled. There were times that doubt would creep in. But under the current, under it all, did the only thing that I know to do, and that's trust God. And I am so, so glad I did. And I'm trying to encourage some of you because I know you're living the days that I've lived. Maybe you're working a job that you hate. Maybe you're with people you absolutely don't get or understand. They rub you the wrong way or whatever. Maybe you feel like you're going the wrong direction, but maybe you're sitting there saying, I'm not doing what God ultimately wants me to do. Don't panic. Don't panic. Continue to seek God. Maybe God's preparing you. You have to trust God. You have to trust God. I also know that some of you, as I'm talking, you're sitting there going, this vision stuff sounds great, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Some of you, they're getting ready for college. Really listen up here. How do you uncover your hazon, your God-honoring vision? How do you get that God-ordained vision for for your life? God, God has placed many clues in you, many insights, many things that can direct you toward that God-honoring plan. And I'm going to hit on two, two main things, kind of take us down two different tracks that I think help you uncover this, uncover God's vision for your life, why you were created, why you're here. And the first one is you have to ask yourself this and answer it. If God would bless anything that you would do, what would you attempt That's something that you have to ask yourself over and over and over again. You know, I hope you'll make it a focus this week. But I hope you'll ask it again in six months and again in a year and that you do it for the rest of your life. doesn't matter whether whether you're 19 or 89. To say, what is it? If God would bless me right now. And I'm not talking about, well, I'd go down and get a lottery ticket, you know. If God's going to bless, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what are you going to do with your one and only God-given life? Where are you going to make a difference 
talking about dreaming and dreaming big and whatever you think that is, dream bigger than that. If God would bless anything, what would you attempt? There's a great story about Nehemiah in the Old Testament. He could have very quickly answered that question. There came a point where he was like, if God will bless anything, I want to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I want to rebuild the city of Jerusalem because the people, because the walls are down, they're unprotected. It was, he had a heart for that city. And God placed it on his heart and he started dreaming and his heart started beating hard and his passions kicked in. And so that's what he did. For some of you, you may be thinking as you think about that question, well, I, w- I want to teach I want to change kids' lives. You know, I want to cure a a disease. I want to help the sick or I want to help the abused or people that are struggling financially. I've got a good friend. And this sounds a little odd on the the front end. You go, oh, I'm not sure that's right. But his his vision, God-given vision, and he will tell you, is to make as much money as he possibly can so he can fund as many ministries as he possibly can. And friends, I can tell you, and I've watched him for 25 years, he has made a ton of money and he has given a ton of money. And that's God's gift. What is it you would do if you could do anything and you knew God would bless you? Again, God-honoring vision, okay? Here's the second track. And this one, I've got several questions, and I'm going to hit them pretty quick. But the first question is, what are your core values? What are your core values? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, Our responsibility is never to oppose the truth, but to stand for the truth at all times. What's truth? Well, God's word is truth. And have you ever noticed how there are certain portions of truth that you're more passionate about than others? You know, like, for instance, you'll be reading something in in Scripture or maybe you're sitting in church or a small group or maybe you're just watching TV in general. And you hear something. And your heart starts pumping. You get charged up. And you think, why doesn't everybody get excited about this? How How come is it somebody doing something about this? You know, and so you're, you find that your heart is moved. You know, why, why isn't something, someone approaching this problem? Because I'm absolutely sure that if someone would do this, they could change that. Could it be, perhaps, that God has planted certain values in you, divinely placed, built in your DNA, What are your core values? What are your God-given values that can move you in the right direction? Second question, what are your gifts? In other words, what do you do exceptionally well? My brother, when we were young, uh, he could burp the theme to the Brady Bunch. It was a gift. Brady Bunch was a sitcom on TV for those of you younger. But um, that's not what we're talking about. 
Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. There are some of you that God has gifted in certain areas. And all of us have been gifted in some area. Where when you do what you do, people go, they make me sick. It's so easy for them. How how do you do that? And friends, it's not because you're a great person. It's because God's given you a great gift. Nehemiah had that vision, rebuild the walls. He had the gift of administration because of all he had been through. Gift of leadership. He had the chops. He had the tools for the job. He was equipped to pull off the hazan. You know, the, what God was calling him to. He, see, giftedness and vision go hand in hand. Moses. Moses had the gift of leadership. Abraham had the gift of faith. Daniel had the gift of, of courage. You know, Matthew had the gift of hospitality. I mean, I can see him working. Hey, party at my house. Come on over. Hey, Joe, have you met Jesus? And he used his giftedness. So we've got core values. We've got gifts. Here's the third question. It's experience. What experiences has God allowed you to have? Those will move you in the right direction. I know... You've probably seen this verse before. Maybe it's brand new to you, but Romans 8, um, 28, it says, And we know that in what? All things. All things. God works for the good of those, and this is key, who love him. Who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Your past experiences, things that have happened to you, are often insights into where God's wanting to take you, what God wants to do in your future. I think about David again. David, he's a shepherd boy. His dad asked him to take lunch to his brothers on the front line. They're... They're fighting in the war against the Philistines. And everybody in the army, all the Israel's, Israelites are, are afraid of this giant Goliath. David's there delivering these lunches. And he kind of assesses the situation. He looks it over. And he thinks, I can take this guy out. Why do you think that? Well, I would argue it was because of his experiences. Because out as a shepherd, he had faced bear and lion. He used his slingshot to protect his flocks. He took those animals out. I guarantee you, at the time when the bear was charging or the lion, that David was not thinking, glory to God, I'm gaining experience here. But he did. God used it. God was preparing David. God would use many experiences in David's life that would catapult him into one of the greatest leaders in history. Your past, your past, 
good, bad, ugly, tough, enjoyable, whatever. Your past is an insight into your future. God will use it. Where there is no hazam, where there's no dream, where there's no vision, people perish. And friends, I want to tell you, no matter where you're at right now, this moment, whether you're working the dream or whether you're trying to figure it out and still get there, or whether you've got an idea and you're trying to move. It doesn't matter where you're at today. You've got to continue to seek God's vision. Continue to trust God. Continue to ask the really hard questions to define and redefine your life. And continue to honor God wherever it is that you're at. But I believe when you, when you start the movement, you start enjoying life to its fullest Let God speak to your heart. You know, tuck, tuck this scripture in, in, your, in your heart as you head to work this week. Paul writes, he says, whatever you do, work at it wholeheartedly as though you're doing it for the Lord and not merely for people. Now, I'm, I want to speak to Christians. If you have given your life to Christ, if you're a Christian, You work for God. Whatever you do, you're working for God. Whatever you you are doing on a daily basis is your purpose right now, and it is worship. We think worship just happens here, but what you do at your job is worship. And I want to tell you, this life is short. And there will come a day when we take our last breath, And we will stand before our Creator. And we will want to fall on our knees and we will fall on our knees to worship Him. But that day as we stand at the gate, Scripture says we will be welcomed into heaven. In other words, if you're a Christian, it's not a question. You know, you do not have to worry, am I in, am I out, is it going to happen or not happen? Jesus Christ paid the price, He's your Savior, and you're in. But here is what's at question. And here's what I long to hear God say to me. And it's what I strive for on a daily basis. And that's why this topic, vocation, labor, it matters so much. Because I want God to look me in the eyes. And I want to hear him say, well done good and faithful servant. And I think you do too. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. It's a decision. It's truly a decision we make. Let's stand for a word of prayer together. Our holy God, I know there are some here today that this is all new news. God, I pray that their hearts would beat hard. 
the possibilities. You'd put in them a vision. You'd help them assess and reassess. No matter what age, you'd give them a vision. And God, I know there are also people here today that they know what that vision is. They're stuck in a job right now that's tearing them apart or a situation that's beating them up. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just pull alongside them that you would help them understand this season. Pray it'd be a short season. That you'd encourage them, to give them the strength, and let them know they can trust. God, I know there are those here that go, I'm living it. I am right in the middle of it. God, I pray you'd give us the wisdom to continue to elevate, to ask the next question, to see the next step. God, you have created fearfully and wonderfully. There's not a person here that you don't have a plan for. God, I pray that we would leverage that, that we would use that, that we would live each day, that it would honor you with all we say and do. And we give you the glory, we give you the praise this day. Amen.